Blog Talk Radio. Sean McCain, and I'm with your Bible study almost every Sunday morning for, I don't know how long you've been doing this, a really long time, because we're on First John chapter 5, you've got to have faith, and 
what we're going to do is we're going to open with our, our traditional prayer. And uh, then we're going to have actually, a, I'm going to add a little song at the end that relates to what we were studying about. And uh, I already have that ready too. Okay, so let's open with our prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I do pray for everyone out there. And, uh, just remember, you're always in my prayers. You can also listen to all of our Bible studies. Uh, they're all archived. You can listen to them anytime you want. So today, we're, we're reading First John, Chapter 5. John the Elder has another letter, so listen up. You gotta have faith and more from the speaker, anyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is a child of God. That means if you love God, then you have to love his children. For example, other believers. Oh, and you also have to obey his commandments. But no worries, says the author. His commandments are pretty simple. Believe in Jesus and love other people. Having faith in these things is like a victory over the evil powers of the not-so-great world. It's like shining a light in the darkness. The flashlight's ready. And the speaker tells us that three things, uh, that Jesus, excuse me, three, Jesus came by water and by blood. And that's just referring to Jesus' baptism, water and death, blood. And he continues to know, better to know it, the Holy Spirit, God has told the world, world all about Jesus, and that outranks anything ordinary people have to say about him. So the lesson go on right to the source. And but, now, but how do you know what God has told the world? Well, you have faith. Love you people. And thanks. I want to thank the Ryrie Bible and Schnoop and also Save for our music. Okay, so now we're going to go, so get your Bible out. We're going to go to First John chapter 5. And we have together gone through this long New Testament. And we're going to keep going through. Okay, so First John chapter 5. The consequences of fellowship, love for the brethren. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the child, children of God, when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. This is victory over the world. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, is our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? And But he who believes in Jesus is the Son of God. So believe that, believe that, believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, verification of Christ's credentials. This is the one who came by water and by blood, Jesus Christ, 
not with the water only, but with the water and the, with the blood. It is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. There are, th- there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and the three are in agreement. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that he has testified concerning his son. <coughs> Excuse me. The one that believes in the son of God has a testimony in himself. The one that does not believe in God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. And he who does not have the son of God does not have life. Assurance and eternal life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Guidance in prayer. This is the confidence which we have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears it. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request of which we ask from him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, we we shall ask and ask God, will for him give life to those who commit sin, not leading to death? (coughs) Excuse me. Really early in the morning for me. There is a sin leading to death, and I do not say that he should make take requests for this. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. I I not understand that quite. Okay, freedom from habitual sin. Eighteen. I probably do know about this. We know that no one is born of God's sin, but he who has born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Wow. You know, if we if we think we try to forget it, but instead of us railing about each one against each other, which political party against each other. We don't realize it says like right here, First John five, nineteen. We know that we are of God, and that the whole world is in the power of the evil one. Okay, twenty, and we know that the Son of God has come, and has given us understanding, so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and the eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Okay, so we finished. So let's read the notes. It says here, the first part of this verse answers the inexpressed question from 421, namely, who is my brother? The answer is everyone born of God. And then the verse 5-3, what does it mean to have love of or for God? Answer, to keep his commandments, which are not burdensome because we have the Holy Spirit in us. And verses 4-5, through five, our faith 
the Son of God overcomes this world. Remember that. That's a biggie. John 5, 4, 5. Our faith in the Son of God overcomes this world. Okay, then it says 5, 6. By blood and by water. The water refers to the inauguration of Christ's earthly ministry at his baptism by John the Baptist. The blood refers to the close of his eternal life at his crucifixion. Christ proved himself to be the Christ, Messiah, at his baptism and by pouring out his soul to death and with the holy water only, but not with the holy water only, but with the water and with the blood. This counters the teaching of Serentius, who said that the divine Christ left Jesus before his crucifixion. Oh, I understand. So you can't have, you can't say he was baptized and then you say, no, he didn't give his life because people are trying to spread around rumors that, but by blood, Jesus did shed his blood for us. Okay. 5.14. According to his will, a gracious limitation became God's will is always best for his children. And 5.6. Sin leading to death. That's the one I was thinking. What was he talking about? Okay. Believers can sin to the point where physical death results in judgment of God. The Greek reads sin, not a sin, implying not a single act, but acts that have have the character of sin leading to death. The believer cannot lead a life of sin because God's son keeps him, and Satan cannot hold on to him. The Greek verb translated touch used here, and in John 20:17 only, do, do, does excuse me, not indicate a superficial touch, but a grasping and holding touch. And then uh, 5:19, the whole world, the world system with its godless ruler, people, teachings, ideas, and temptations. That's sad. This is true. And then idols. An idol is anything that substitutes for God. So that brings us to the end of this chapter. So now we're going to be going into Second John. Let me see. Okay, I can see that. Right, right. So we'll do Second John next time. And now we're going to read from our book of angels. And it's our new book. It's still by guidepost, but uh, I asked my son for this for my birthday, and he sent it to me, so I was so happy. So we're going to go through this and read our nice stories one by one. And these are angel stories, editors of guideposts. Okay, so let's get on with the next story. Okay, I think Jamie did angels and blue. Okay. This time we're going to do Rescue in the Rapids by Jennifer Kelly. We lounged on inner tubes floating lazily down the river. It was August, and some co-workers had invited me along to a weekend getaway, tubing Wisconsin's Apple River. The river was a hugely popular tubing spot. Already only a few minutes after we'd entered the water, other tubers were joining our flotilla. At least 20 of us drifted in the gentle current, and our tubes lashed together in a, into a thick twine. 
We talked, ate, drank, and watched the wooded banks glide by. It was the first time I'd relaxed in months. All of a sudden, everything had changed in my life. I'd moved to a new town in Wisconsin, gotten a new job, and broken up with a guy I had been dating for seven years. When people I worked with asked if I could wonder with tubing, I said yes. I wasn't much of an outdoors person, but I'd been so lonely lately, and this was my chance to make some new friends. I hoped I could handle the rapids. So far, all had gone well. We'd arrived Friday afternoon, and we had enough time to try a test run down the river. The weekend crowds were just trickling in, so the river was calm and quiet. Even the rapids I'd worried about had turned out to be fun. They were shallow and not too fast. The tubes swooped and bounced over rocks and waves. As long as you held on, you were fine. Today was Saturday, and it was like a different river. A traffic jam of tubes clogged the river. Total strangers bumped into us, and before we knew it, they were tied onto our tubes like they'd known us forever. I couldn't help noticing one handsome guy who had tied onto my tube near the back of the flotilla. He looked just about my age, mid-twenties, with dark, close-cut hair and a tank top that showed off tan muscle arm. I tried to, a few times to talk to him, but he didn't seem interested in conversation. He was never rude. He just seemed to want to be by himself, and I had others to talk to. The ride down the river lasted four hours. I've done I've done this before, not exactly that way, but I floated down the river like that in, in the tubes before. The rapids came up before just before the end, and soon in the distance, we heard a loud rush of whirling water. Rapids up ahead, someone called out. Bathroom break. We paddled the flotilla to a bank lined with portable toilets. I was one of the last to go, and when I came back, I saw someone had taken my tube. I didn't mind. We didn't have far to go. I jumped into the cooler tube, a small inner tube they give you at the rental shop for carrying an ice chest. Someone had put the ice chest on their own tube, so the cooler tube was free. I'm small, so I fit fine. I looked for the handsome guy. He was still in his tube, not far away. Got into the water, I noticed that with so many tubes tied together, we were floating much faster than we had the day before. I looked at my little cooler tube. My legs and arms hung way outside. All I could take, all, all it would take would be one good bounce on those rapids and I'd be in the water. Small waves formed atop the current. The river bank whizzed by, then rose into steep cliffs. I saw white water in the distance and felt the flotilla drift drift to one side, floating the following excuse me, the flow of the river. We swung around until my little tube was closest to the bank and all of a sudden I saw something large and white speeding towards me. It was some kind of plastic culvert embedded in the embankment. I gripped my tube as it struck the culvert, bending like a bicycle t- tire rammed into a curb. Before I knew it, I was hurled to the air and landed face first in the water. The flotilla shot down the rapids. I felt a sharp pain in my left bicep 
and realized somehow the twine had lashed my tube to the other tubes that had gotten wrapped around my arm. I was dragged through the water, swimming against rocks. Oh, gosh. Swimming against rocks and unable to get my head up. The twine kept wrapped around the tube, and I was in shock. And I knew my body was taking a terrible beating, but I couldn't feel a thing. I remember the day before, it had taken 10 minutes to get through the rapids. No way could I hold my breath that long. But I heaved so hard, I could, as hard as I could, and barely got my head up to take a gulp of air. Then I was slammed down again. No one, I figured, had seen me go under. They were looking down, they'd be looking down the river. Then, don't panic, Jennifer. If I flashed around, I'd just get even more oxygen. It doesn't matter, I thought. I had no more strength to lift my head, and I was about to suffocate. I was going to die. And then suddenly, in my mind's eye, and did I open my eyes? I saw surrounding me a circle of faces. The faces were calm and encouraging, and they didn't say anything. And I didn't recognize any of them, but I knew they were real. I relaxed and feared nothing. The next moment, I felt a powerful grip on my right arm and was hauled out of the water. The dark-haired man I'd seen earlier was standing beside me, his hand clamped on my arm. He jumped off his tube and somehow planted his feet on the rocky bottom. My arm was still tangled in the twine, and the flotilla jerked to a halt, tagging me with unbearable force. My head went underwater. Vaguely, I heard the man shouting. People began jumping off their tubes, trying to push off the flotilla off to shore. Okay, the man must have realized there was no time. He let, my, he let go of my arm, grabbed the wet twine. It was at least an inch and a half thick and ripped it apart. The flotilla spun away, and he lifted me from the water, and I wrapped my arms around his neck. Oh, my God, thank you, I coughed, and he sloshed his way to the riverbank and set me down. What's your name, I asked. Before I could say anything more, my new friends were around me with frightened faces. I strained to see the dark-haired man. I thought I glimpsed him walking away. Then he was gone. I never saw the man again. I searched the shore and asked everyone on the bus back to the camping area and the campground itself. No one had seen him and no one knew who he was. But at that point, I was swimming. Every one of those rocks had bashed into me. I lay on in my tent thinking about the man, not just because he saved my life, but because in some strange way that awful moment beneath the water, those calm faces and that strong grip on my arm reassured me that no matter how lovely I might ever feel I would never truly be lonely, I'm sorry, I would ever feel I would never truly be alone. That man was my guardian angel and his strong and silent strength will be with me always. Well, that, I have that, I love that story. I had a we're going to read another story next week, but I had a similar thing happen to me. I was up at the Kern River and the Kern River in California is a uh, cold, so I never went camping till August, and um, when it was a little bit less icy, and uh, I was uh, just doing this, just swimming down the the river, and I'm a good swimmer, but 
the Kern River is treacherous, and you, every summer somebody drowns. You know, and it's really sad because almost every summer to this day, somebody drowns because it looks so calm on the surface, but underneath there's riptides and things. So anyway, I was swimming over, and I swam over. I was just slowly swimming down the river, and uh, I swam over this little dam kind of thing, and then I slipped down into a whirlpool, an ice-cold, extremely deep, Whirlpool that was just under the dam. It went straight down like a tunnel. And it sucked me down with such power that it was taking me down to the bottom. And I'm a, uh, I could swim hard, but I couldn't swim hard enough. And it was twirling me around, and I was trying to get out, and I was fighting for all. And I was losing my breath, and I started thinking, I'm good. This is where I die. I could not get out. And when I was thinking that, and I started to pray, I was praying, please, God, help me, you know, and take my soul and, you know, try to say the last words to yourself. And uh, I started noticing that against the walls, like I'm in like a stone tunnel being dragged down to very cold, dark water below. But I noticed against the walls of the tunnel were like these strata of all these layers of colors of uh, the the rock that the water had made. And it looked sort of beautiful. And there was like this dappling of light against the rock. And, I, and every time I spun around, I would look at it and try to, to watch it. And I was I had been in extreme fear fighting swimming hard as I could. You can't swim, you know, first of all, you're vertical. And, uh, you know, you're, well, you see what I'm saying. So I'm twirling around, and I noticed these little sparkly things against the walls. And so every time I went by, I tried to see them again. And it distracted me long enough that I heard a, a voice inside say, just relax. And believe me, it's against everything that you would ever think you would do is relax in that condition. But that's what I did. When I heard that voice and I realized that I was drowning and to give up, I relaxed my body so intently, just to totally relaxed that my arms and my legs were all hitting each other as I was twirling around. <laughs> and I had like one, two, three spins, and it spit me right out. So I was back and swimming down the river again. And what happened was I had a spiritual experience that time when God got me out of there, but he had to distract me from my fear because fear is what will get us down, and fear will hold us back, and fear will, oh, you know how it feels. So fear not, and you've got to have faith. So now... As I promised, at the end of our service this morning, we're going to say our traditional prayer as we leave. But I'm going to play a song that relates to what we're talking about. Okay, so this morning I found a song that says you've got to have faith. And that's what I'm going to play. So let's say our, our little prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Okay, here's our song, you got to have faith. 
Well, some people say you've got to smile through it all. Take a licks with a grin, like some painted porcelain doll. And I was born a poor man's son, with a bucket full of bloom. It's hard to pretend you're winning, when all you do is lose. Lord knows I've been wrung out and spent. Got no money to pay the rent. Strung out in the rainy weather. But out two times we rode together. So, Lord, can you give me some happy news? Imagine those hearts living with this kind of blues.
Well, that's the first time I heard that song all the way through. I listened to it and I thought, I think I'm going to play this for a morning Bible study. And I like it. So you've got to have faith. And my, my prayers go for everyone. If you're sick, if you're in this COVID thing, it's, it's, we're still in California. We're still in the, the lockdown. And uh, everywhere you are, if your family's still being affected, I pray for your wellness and your strength to get through this. And better days are ahead, and I wanted to say God bless you all. I love you very much, no matter where you are. I love you, and take care of yourself. I'm going to see you next Sunday. I'm going to move to Second John. Okay, God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next Sunday. Take care. Bye-bye.